us the love of Christ proclaim till all the world adore his sacred name. Come, Christians, follow where our captain trod, our king victorious, Christ the Son of God. Lift high the cross, the love of Christ proclaim, till all the world adore his sacred name. The first reading is from Isaiah, the 12th chapter. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy will you, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. The psalmody for today is from Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of the summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The second reading is from the second letter to the Corinthians, the fifth chapter. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us to the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, 
God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. He said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. He divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. There he squandered his property in reckless living. We had spent everything. A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate. And no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He arose came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said to him, Your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf because he received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed your command. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has devoured your property with prostitutes? You killed the fatted calf for him? He said to him, Son, you're always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The Gospel of our Lord. In the last months, um, I've been able to stand with a near two-year-old now, just a little over two-year-old. I don't know what you call it. He's, he's the son of my nephew. So if it's a grand-nephew or something like that. But, uh, 
Anyway, I get, I've been able to stand with him a couple of times in my arm in front of the, the big bathroom mirror. Um, he has a great resemblance with his father, and so that put me back to a flashback when I got to hold his father in front of a great big bathroom mirror in Tucson, Arizona, a long time ago, uh, many, many years ago. And then the same thing with each of the sons. Um, we were blessed with three, so to hold each of those at different times in front of the mirror. And, and how many of you can remember, I mean, I, adults with children can remember, but today to remember, what's it like to stand in front of the mirror with your children in your arms, and they're watching what you're watching at the same time. You know, they, they could get a kick out of watch of that image for a while, and sometimes when they're like grumpy or sad or something, I could just take them to the mirror, and they would just, oh, this is new, and it would be entertaining. Um, but they never, for a time, they didn't experience it as that that thing in the mirror is me. They, they had, there was a disconnect. But at some point, and I don't remember exactly, the expression on their face changed. They looked into the mirror differently, curiously, studiously. They, they saw and began to recognize the similarity in the motions that they would make in the motions in the mirror as theirs. They see the face and the hands, and they seem to be saying, that's me. Like, yeah, that's dad. That's dad's hand and dad's shirt. And, that's, and so that means that's me. As I wonder about the world that was going to surround them, so holding them in the mirror. As I wondered about the people in that world that were going to be around them and involved in their lives. I hope that they would remember where it began, right? That would begin, that began with a God who loves them and cherishes and entrusted them into the lives of their parents. That they would remember the time in front of the mirror and these things, two parents that just loved them and cherished them. That there was a house that strove imperfectly to be sure, but a house that strove them to show them the ways of heaven. And that they would see themselves forever that they see themselves in that mirror on that day as being in a loving relationship with God and with God's family. That nothing in this world could ever change that way of seeing things. This is one of the most popular parables in the Bible, today's parable. Even the secular world knows about the prodigal son. I think it's a popular among Christians and non-Christians alike because it's a parable of humans being humans and God. Well, God being the God we long Him to be, a loving Father. This parable is about bad-behaving people, bad-behaving children, people like you, people like me. And those people ultimately discovering understanding and seeing the love and the mercy and the generosity of a father in spite of us. In this parable, the younger son, he does not see as the father sees. 
The Son is seen past the Father to the Father's possessions. The Son is seen past the Father's possessions then to the shiny and sexy and tasty, exciting things in this world. The younger son does not see as the father sees. The son sees how his family lives day in and day out, working and toiling and considering and considers that way of life a waste of time. The son sees his, soul, his home as deficient somehow, and, and he needs to do better. He sees his portion of assets as a commodity to be exchanged for the best things in life. He sees so foolishly. He never considered how the world was seeing him. For that same world, he craved to enjoy, he craved to own and control. That world was looking at him with the very same intentions. After replacing the view of his father and his father's home and his father's values with those of the world, with his vision, and then after a prolonged time there, he discovers that the world well, the world had hungry eyes too. He understands how the world has actually now consumed him and all that he had and has no regard for him. The time comes when he looks at that proverbial mirror at who he'd become. And he does not like who he sees. He looks at the world around him and now it no longer has the same value. It has lost its beauty, its excitement, the delight. And he started to see now the world as the Father sees the world. Now he started to see properly, but not quite 2020. Although he has decided that he's no longer worthy to be called a son, that he cannot see himself as a son, and now he sees himself as lower or as low than the servants in his father's house, his father still sees him differently. The father sees a treasure, a son. This divine view of the father is, is somehow now stunning to him and to everybody who's listening. The world and the Son sees disrespected and failure. The world and the Son sees unrestrained sin and consumption of people and property. And look where it got them. But the Father sees a precious, valuable, wonderful Son and that son has found his way home. The son returns to see what always was. A father loving and providing and protecting. A father demanding that the best robe be placed on him. Demanding that the family ring, the identities of family, the robe, the ring, and the sandals all be returned to his son. The next time the son looks into the mirror, He'll see something different. He'll not see what he was with pigs 
starving. The results of his conquests. He will see what he's always been in the eyes of his father. He will see what he is. He will see a child that is loved and cherished by a father. He will see a child within a home of the father with all the blessings and provisions of that home. And in time, he might be able to see as his father sees. Almost like the days when they stood together in front of a mirror. The older son, well, he has vision challenges as well. He looks at himself and he sees a slave. He looks at his father and sees a demanding slave owner. He looks at the home and fields and livestock as a burden, as something that's just been constraining and restraining him from all the good things of life. He sees the father in a relationship father with a have to, not a want to. And now he looks at his brother, maybe with envy. Because his younger brother at least had the courage to go out and try something when he didn't. Or maybe he just sees him with malice. A devil-inspired, thought-filled, emotion-filled disrespect for his brother for all he has squandered that his father gives. We don't know. There's no evidence, though, of any of those possibilities. There's no evidence in this parable that the father's been an overbearing slave driver there's no evidence anywhere in this parable that the father is controlling belittling abusive or anything that is ugly actually the father in this parable is the prodigal because the definition of prodigal is this recklessly wasteful and rashlessly extravagant that's the father Because the father towards his sons is prodigal. He is recklessly investing into obviously failures of sons, rashly investing into ungrateful, unworthy, unholy sons continuously. Two clear material pieces of prodigal evidence of the father are this. He has handed over one half of all that he has worked in his family, his work to acquire in their lives to an obviously selfish firstborn son. He has obviously then handed over the other half of all that his family and he has worked for to an obviously selfish and foolish secondborn son. He's given it all to them. Prodigal father. The father presents his older son with a different picture at this point. Father is showing his, son a different, his older son something different than what his son sees. Just like he presented his younger son with a different way of seeing. Both sons have chosen a vision to live in. But which one will they believe on that day? Which one will they trust? Which one will guide their lives? The parable doesn't give us that conclusion. We just have to wonder how it is for us. And that means it turns towards us. We all have our ways of seeing this world, of seeing ourselves in this world, of seeing our relationships with God and others in this world. We have our ways of seeing it. We live with it day and night. We have our ways of how we look at the world and how we interpret the world. We have our ways of seeing. We have our ideas about who we are 
and our value, our significance, lofty, healthy, or lowly. Either way, there's rooms. We have a vision of our scene, and now an understanding, maybe with more recent events in, in history, of seeing how humans' visions of ourselves is actually being manipulated by world propaganda. The Russians see their world differently than we see it. Ukrainians see their world differently than the Russians and we see it. The world looks at us differently than what we're fed and see here. That's just the nature of it. Try traveling around the world and see how the world starts to see each other. And you'll start to realize that we are being fed propaganda. And it involves, it affects how we see ourselves. What today's gospel lesson does is confront all those options of how we see ourselves, our child vision, with God the Father's vision. Regardless of our squandering or our grumbling, regardless of our selfishness or our envy, regardless of bad attitudes or a lack of gratitude, God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this triune God, looks into the mirror, and when we're, when we're absent from that, looks into the mirror with tears because he never wants to be apart from us as children. And when that God, the whole Trinity of God, looks into the mirror and we are at home in their embrace, oh, there's a cherishing love and there's a celebration in heaven. In a few weeks on a Friday, we will remember that our God is a prodigal God because he came across time and eternity, will be nailed to a Roman cross, will be suspended on that cross for over six hours until he's dead. And then he declares in that process, you can all come home now. I've paid the price for your sin. Your debt is erased. You're forgiven. I love you this much. Our prodigal God says, you can always be with me. Everything I have is yours. We like the sons in the parable then. We are free to do as we please. We have that freedom. We've been granted it by God. Everything that we have is actually his. And we get to use it the way we get to choose to use it. Now we like the world... We have also now today heard this parable. And we have a choice. We can accept the invitation to come home. We can participate with the Holy Spirit calling us to leave the world and to come home with the Father. Or we can say no. We can see as the Father sees us. Or not. So on this day, we would pray, God, help us to see as you see. God, help us to help others see as you see. God, help us all to come home. Amen. Now let's declare our faith using the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, 
begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again and according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again in glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian apostolic church. And I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's pray. Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for calling us to rest in you each and every Sabbath. If it gives you glory, let your Holy Spirit fill this place and those who gather in it. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we've all been one with Adam in the rebellion of our stubborn wills and in suffering the consequences of sin with its death. Grant us grace that we may return to you with humble hearts and rejoice in your forgiveness so that our hearts may be at peace and we may be rescued from our guilt, shame, and despair. Lord, in your mercy, our prayer. Compassionate Father, you know our needs even before we ask, but still we cry to you on behalf of all the sick and those who suffer, especially those in our hearts now. Lord, give them healing in accordance with your will, grace to endure their affliction, and peace in the hour of death. Lord, in your mercy. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray. We will trust in your mercy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Beneath the cross of Jesus, I long to take my stand. The shadow of a mighty rock within a weary soul and a home within a wilderness, a rest upon the way. From burning of the noontide heat and burdens of the day, I take, O cross, your shadow for my abiding place. 
I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of his face. Content to let the world go by, to know no gain nor loss. My sinful self, my only shame, I glory all the cross.